But joining me now, without further ado, I want to get this kicked off immediately because uh, this guy is extremely busy, and it's so kind of him to join me here, uh, despite his crazy schedule. Richie Schuler of ESPN, he called the uh, he was the uh, analyst for the San Jose State Utah State game a couple nights ago in that 71-59 scrappy win for the Aggies from a team of San Jose State who came out tougher than expected. And that's where I want to start, Richie. How are we, my man? Doing great. I'm actually glad that I had that game at San Jose State because I also had the game at St. Mary's, and so you probably wouldn't ask me to come on if they hadn't won the other <laughs> night at San Jose State. And you know, let's start there, actually. You know, that St. Mary's game was without Cuba, without Keta. Uh, it was, I mean, it was a very tough game. You could tell size was going to be a hindrance for Utah State, but it almost seemed like Utah State really played an extremely well ball game. It's just that Fitz really got hot in the second half. Yeah, you know what it was? It was a it was a neck and neck battle up until about the two minute mark of the of the game. Uh, two minutes left, and then between the two minute mark and the one minute mark, it was bang, bang, bang. Uh, St. Mary's hit two three pointers back to back, and then they hit a little mid range shot down the post. So that was the first time all season long, the only time all season long that Utah State has been out rebounded in a game. I think they got rebounded by two. Uh, no doubt they were missing Karbowski, and obviously when you get Kata back, things are going to be a little different. Uh, now let's fast forward to the San Jose State game. What did you see from San Jose State that gave Utah State a little bit of trouble there in the first half? Number one, Utah State's improved. They, they, they look better. This is probably Coach Prelo's best team in his three years there. They're longer. They're more athletic. They have guys that can really attack the basket. And I tell you, in the first half, Utah State had a difficult time keeping San Jose State's players in front. Uh, at the same time, though, now San Jose State, they have guys that can shoot the ball, but for whatever reason, in games, they're not knocking them down. I mean, they're like 25% from three on the season. But in that first half, they hit six. They were six of 12. And so, you know, I knew in halftime, I, I was talking to Roxy Bernstein, who I was working with. I said, look, I don't think that they're going to shoot that good in the second half. And if they do, they might pull off this upset. But sure enough, you know, San Jose State really struggled to shoot the basketball. And Utah State did a great job making adjustments, taking away the three-pointer and having a hand in their face every time. I want to ask you about two players from Utah State. First one here, Alfonso Anderson. Uh, came from a small college in Idaho and has turned out to be an absolute gem here at Utah State. What do you like about his game so far? Number one, he is, he's got a, a good motor, and he's very skilled. He can shoot the outside ball. He uses that shot fake well. He can hit the mid-range. You see him offensively. He can just bully his way to the basket. I mean, he, he's a six six guy, but he's 220 pounds. So he's kind of that inside-outside guy. He's a tremendous person, by the way. He's one of the nicest young men I've talked to this season. Uh, but, you know, I think he got a lot of confidence uh, down there in the Jamaican Classic. I'm sure you talked all about that. I mean, he was, what, 21 and a half a game, I think, during mm-hmm. that tournament and five, mm-hmm. six boards, and he was just a monster. So, I mean, Alfonso, he, he's, he's a, a big pickup from Coach Smith in the Aggie program, no doubt. Justin Bean went from being a walk-on to a scholarship player, now leads the Mountain West in rebounding with just under 12, and it's the only player in the conference averaging a double-double right now. Uh, he's the first Aggie to average a double-double in the season since Mike Santos in the 76-77 season. Is, there, is he a legit candidate, if he can keep this up, to be a Mountain West Conference Player of the Year? I think so. I think we even talked about that in the broadcast briefly um, against San Jose State. Uh, he, no doubt, I mean, he's got the numbers. I mean, nobody else is averaging a double-double. And then he's getting a block a game. He gets two or three assists a game. He's another guy that's kind of like Alfonso Anderson, who's an inside-out guy and very versatile, but he's extremely fundamentally sound. 
Uh, he's really worked hard on that jumper. You can tell, you know, he's not knocking down a lot of threes, but I mean, he can hit the mid range pretty easily. Talk about the Jamaican classic. I think he was MVP of that class. He was. Uh, yeah, he was terrific. But here's the thing about Justin B. He is all energy and all effort all the time. No question. Uh, it's amazing the motor that he has. And, and I, you talk to Coach Smith, I'm sure you've asked him about this. I mean, he is just uh, astounded at the progress he's made in the year and a half he's had him. And he goes, you know, it's nothing really we're doing. I mean, yeah, we're putting him in the right places and we teach him stuff and this and that. But it's just amazing how much he's come along as a basketball player. And he just has a knack to find the basketball. I mean, you, you can use Energizer Bunny. You can use whatever. It's just amazing wherever the ball is, it seems that Justin Bean is the one who's got at least a hand on it if he doesn't have possession of it, you know? Are you surprised that Utah State dropped 10 spots in the AP poll for one loss by eight points as St. Mary's without two key big men? Not really surprised. You know, the voters, I don't, you know, people who vote for those polls, I don't take a whole lot of stock into them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all, I mean, come on, let's think about it. Think about the preseason. Preseason number one uh, got knocked off Michigan State. Shortly thereafter, Kentucky got knocked off. They were number one. By my alma mater, I might add, Evansville, who was in the <laughs> rough arena and knocked them out. And then, uh, and then Duke gets beat by Stephen F. Austin. So three number ones get knocked off in the same month, the month of November, not even a full month of college basketball. So, you know, it's early. It's so early. And, um, I mean, now it's, it's amazing now, by the way. I'm, I'm totally getting off topic. But you look at the seven of the top ten teams – in the top 10 right now are either ACC or Big Ten teams. If that holds up, I mean, obviously you got the two best conferences in the country right there. So when a team like Michigan has the run they had and they get all the way to the top five from unranked into the next week, um, you know, nothing surprises me. So Utah State getting knocked down, you know, oftentimes they don't give programs that come from mid-major conferences a lot of love. And when they get one loss, oftentimes they knock them down pretty low, you know. Richie Schuler of ESPN joins us here. He uh, had the analyst broadcast of uh, St. Mary's game and San Jose State. I'm sure he'll be making more appearances here at the Spectrum coming up. Uh, when you look at the Mountain West Conference, it's the top-tier teams have really shown themselves, uh, one of those being San Diego State, still undefeated. In fact, you know, Richie, when I look at the schedule, San Diego State could be 13-0 and coming into the Spectrum on January 4th at 8 p.m. for a showdown with the Aggies. Well, what do you see out of the Mountain West Conference so far? It's incredible. I mean, it's, I think it's better. Now, you don't have Nevada being the way Nevada has been the last couple of years, but, you know, Steve Alford's up there. He's a phenomenal coach. I mean, he's going to get them going. He doesn't have the talent that they had in the past, but he's a great coach, so you got to be careful of them night in and night out. But I went to San Diego State's practice about maybe five, six weeks ago. I live in L.A. They're in San Diego, not far away. And, you know, who are they missing? They're missing Malik Pope, who yep. I think he, did he gets drafted or at least he made an NBA roster or something like that. He, uh, you know, he's, he's tinkering in the NBA right now. But honestly, they lost Malik Pope. But you look at the team, and they don't have any holes. I think they're better. I think they're a better team than they were a year ago with an NBA player on it. Uh, you know, they got the guy, his name Yanni Wetzel, the Vanderbilt transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, big, strong guy. He's filled in some places. Malachi Flynn came from the Pac-12. He's doing a great job scoring the basketball. But they're a better shooting team this year. They're better in the inside. They're better defensively. I mean, that is a very sound program. And then you have New Mexico. You know, New Mexico is a team that they had a lot of injuries last year, but they had a ton of talent, but they never really got it all together. Now they're they're healthy. Uh, they got most of their guys back. They've added some pieces. 
You know, they're playing that crazy style where they're going to press you all game and try to score 120 points a game. So that's a little bit of a niche that you can only prepare for once, you know, twice a year. So, you know, the Mountain West has improved. I think it's getting better and better. I know, was it 2013? There was, what, like five teams in the NCAA tournament? It's kind of dipped from there. But I think it's back on the rise up, to be quite honest with you. Namish Keda, when he does come back, uh, people are saying that he's still a top 10 draft pick when he when it is time for him to go. What's one thing you want to see him develop or get better at to be able to be re- NBA ready? A better jump shot. And I, and I think the NBA scouts have told him that. So expect to see him looking to take some, some more outside shots. I know he can hit a little bit, but uh, I think he needs to be a little more consistent with his mid-range shot. He's a seven-footer. You know, he's 250, whatever he is. He's strong. He's long and athletic, and he can block shots and rebound. But there's a lot of those kind of guys in the NBA. So, you know, what when when the post is being taken away because you've got two seven-footers double-teaming you, what can you do to help that team? And they're going to want to see a jump shot. You know, and pretty much that's really what it comes down to with a lot of big men. Unless you're Shaquille O'Neal and you're so dominant, uh, you got to have a little bit more of a consistent jump shot. So, uh, I think that if he's developed that a little bit better, you know, and he's getting off the ground a little bit higher on his jumper, I mean, man, the, the, the possibilities for him are endless. I mean, he's an outstanding talent. Uh, Sam Merrill at St. Mary's went nine of eighteen, or excuse me, nine and nineteen from the field for twenty-three points, and then at San Jose State was five of fourteen from the field for fourteen points. Uh, you see teams kind of target him defensively. Am, am I wrong in saying that? What have you seen defensively? What they've done to Sam Merrill now? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to take some blame for him struggling to shoot the ball at San Jose State. I hadn't eaten dinner, and before the game, about a half hour before, I was eating a chili dog at the scores table, and he was doing his stretches. And as he came up towards the table to do his stretches, Sam looked me in the eye, and I, I swear to you, I'm telling you the truth. He said, hey, man, can I have a bite of your hot dog? And uh, I didn't give him a bite of my hot dog, and so I think maybe that affected his shooting ability that night. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, he wanted a bite of my chili dog. I said, Sam, man, you don't want chili before the game, so... Uh, <laughs> Give the man what he so, wants, Richie. Yeah, this I is on you. I mean, there was a bunch of beans and chili and everything. I was like, dude, this is not a good look. You know, you don't want this before the game. <laughs> so, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to take some blame. So I, I apologize to Sam for that. You know. So, um, but uh, uh, true story, by the way. But honestly, he, I mean, he's the he's the reigning player of the year. And, and honestly, right now, I think he's the, you know, probably the front runner for player of the year right now, again. Uh, even with you know, all the right struggles. Now, I, even with the struggles, I mean, he still has good shooting percentages. You know, what is a shooting percentage? Right? It's still in the mid-40s, right? Yeah. I mean, from three, that's so. outstanding. That's terrific. Uh, he's shooting 17 a game. He's getting a few rebounds. Or he's making, scoring 17 a game. He's getting a few boards, and he's getting assists. But usually you give that award to the best player and the best team. Um, but guys are certainly going to key in on him. You know, if I'm the opposing coach, you know, we're making a big deal about Sam Merrill. Like, make his life difficult. When he has the basketball, make sure he sees not just the guy in front of him guarding him, but a couple other players that are in the way to stop him from trying to drive. Make him pass the ball and make somebody else make a play. So, But even with, like, Derek Alston, what's he, like, 21, 22 a game at Boise State? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just a game over 500. Uh, or maybe they're game under. They're right around there somewhere. Um, you still would give it to a guy like Sam Merrill, but you know that really stuff just depends on how they play in conference. Yeah, you're right. Sam's shooting 40% from the field right now. He's 45% from deep. i got to ask you this, though. How stunning, because I was listening to your broadcast, and you guys almost were speechless when Sam missed two free throws consecutively. <laughs> I know. 
What was up with that? I, I, I got to go back to the fact that I didn't give him a bite of my chili. Dog. Yeah, this is all on. You just confessed <laughs> to the reason why Sam's struggling in San Jose State, and I can't tell you that we're going to handle it well next time. Uh, <laughs> you know, you tell Coach Smith next time you see him. Tell him, say, look, man, coming over here, keep it up. Next time you well, see him, I got you guys on schedule. He probably went to the bench and said, Coach, I, I, I wanted a part of a chili dog to help me for a night, and Richie wouldn't give me any, so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, twice I, I've taken the blame because last year he blamed me for doing a little shooting demonstration. <laughs> I do remember that. Game, so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Diogo Brito defensively. I, I know you guys. Uh, you guys just talked about him a little bit. When you watch him defensively, what stands out to you about Brito? I just think he's he's just solid. Like look at his frame. I mean, he's just got a strong, solid frame. He's not going to wow you with a ton of athletic ability. But Brio is just solid. He's got a super high IQ. Uh, he, he knows where to be off the ball. He's really good off the ball, like his help side rotations. But on the ball, I mean, he, he's probably always going to be guarding a guy smaller than him. And he's just he's physical, so if you try to drive on him, he's laterally quick enough where he can, he can guard, what do you say, guard the yard. Mm-hmm. You know, guard three feet to your right, guard three feet to your left. And if you can guard the yard, which he can do, and he's got some physicality and a strong chest, Guys won't want to guard or drive against him. So he's just that solid player, um, you know, with a high IQ and, and, and good mental mental quickness as a defensive player. Hey, let's talk around about uh, about the whole entire country as a whole in regards to college basketball. Give me your one surprise so far in this early season and your one disappointment. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, definitely my surprise was Stephen F. Austin going into Duke mm-hmm. and uh, – and, and, and coming off of that victory, uh, that was surprising to me. I mean, going into Kentucky didn't quite surprise me as much because, uh, you know, oftentimes they're just loaded with freshmen, and I just don't think they're usually ready. Kentucky's a team that usually gets better in March. Uh, my biggest disappointment, you know, to be quite honest with you, I, I think it's North Carolina. Um, I had high hopes for North Carolina. I lived there for a long time, so I follow them. Sorry, I'm referencing two teams from North Carolina, eight miles away from each other, but uh, you know, North Carolina had that loss in their own building by quite a bit, and uh, they lost two of their last three, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is, I'm not sure. But uh, I'm just a little bit surprised that North Carolina hasn't come out a little bit better and, and put some teams away a little bit stronger. Uh, you have UNC and Virginia, speaking of which, by the way, both who came off of losses. UNC got dominated uh, by Ohio State, and Virginia got blown out by uh, Purdue. Those two teams face each other. What do you see in that matchup that stands out to you? Who needs to step up for either team, for uh, either Virginia or North Carolina, to come out with a win? Well, you know, I think more or less, this is the way I think Virginia plays. I think Virginia is a team that that is thinks along the mindset of like, hey, they've got to beat us, so let's just do what we do, not worry about individual players, and just go out and, and play our style of play, and it's worked for them. I think the stat is for Virginia, I think they're holding teams with 44 points per game, at least until the other night when they lost. That's crazy. 44 points a game, that's like a middle school or high school game, you know, with shortened quarters and, and uh, low amount of time and not as good as players. So I think for Virginia, I think, you know, the way they got pounded, like you said, I, I think it's really for them. It just comes down to playing better defense. Purdue scored 69 points on them. That's 25 above the average that they usually hold teams to. So, you know, I think it's going to be a complete refresh, and it's going to be a complete, hey, man, we've got to buckle down on defense. And honestly, I kind of feel bad for North Carolina playing them because uh, they're going to be extremely elevated on the defense than before. 
Hey, uh, really quick, before we let you go, we're getting Richie Schiller of ESPN joining us here on the Full Court Press. I, I got to ask you, uh, you've been inside the spectrum when that place is packed, when it's loud, when it's chaotic. Uh, I've been told that there's about 500 or less tickets now available. What is that place like for you? If you can give us a personal, you know, I guess, thought on what the spectrum is like for you as an analyst sitting right next to that student body. You know, last year was the very first time that I had the chance to step into the, the arena. I had never been there before, and I had always had Utah State on the road, and I had you guys against New Mexico at home. It was incredible. You know I like to get in the student sections. I've done it in a lot of different arenas. didn't do it at San Jose State because there wasn't, really wasn't a student section, but I'm telling you, when I go there, I think on January 21st, I'm hoping the herd welcomes me in because I want to have some fun with the students. It's incredible, the environment incredible the atmosphere is terrific it's fun i love the chance and the excitement that the herd rolls with what is the mascot big blue right mm, yeah big blue yeah i've got I've got to meet big blue i didn't meet him last time so uh i, I just love it I, I love a fun crowd I, it's really impressive what utah state has done the home atmosphere is uh certainly an advantage and it's got to be if not the best in the conference got to be top two or three it's it's just incredible how much the fans come out and the students just get after it. Well, tomorrow is Coach Craig Smith night, and in honor, they're going to give uh, the first 200 fans a bald cap to honor Coach Smith, and everyone will be uh, asked to wear a certain tie. I have just received a message from a Utah State official. They have one saved for you. So next time you're actually here at the Spectrum, they've got a bald cap for you. Uh, you meet up with them, and they're going to they're gonna take good care of you. Man, that is awesome because uh, Kyle Cottom, the sports information director, I, I asked, he told me this the other day. I forgot it who you just mentioned. He told me about the ball cap. I said, yo, you've got to save me one of those because I totally forgot about this until just now because i got to roll with that. And then, so we were watching the shoot-around at San Jose State, and Kyle's bald himself, and we looked around. There's six <laughs> bald guys on the Utah State team, either on staff or on the team. So I don't know if this is Craig Smith night or if this is just six guys on the Utah State basketball Hey, does that include night. Kyle, by the way, the six? Yeah, he's one of the six. Holy cow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rocking that bald cap when I come to town in January. Well, they do have one save for you, and uh, in fact, it was actually Kyle Cottom is the one who told me that they have one for you. As soon as I told him I was interviewing you, he said, tell him I got a bald cap coming for the next time he's here. So uh, you, I, think, I think they're saying that you have to wear it during the broadcast, though, no matter what. Sorry. <laughs> I'm doing it. Like, I'm okay with it. If I can convince my producer to be okay with it, I'm rolling with it. That's always a problem. I always have these great ideas, and the producers have to put like, hey, Rich, put on the brakes, man. We can't do that. So, hey, you I'm know what? You it. actually always, because you didn't give Sam the chili dog, and then he struggled, and so now we are asking you to redeem yourself by wearing a ball cap on national television in front of the uh, in front of the herd. That's all we're asking for. I'm typing the email right now. Ball cap. Richie, you're, you're incredible. Thanks for uh, joining me here on the show. You're an incredible talent, and we look forward to seeing you next time you're at the Spectrum. Appreciate it, sir. Hey, you guys keep it rolling and keep doing a great job. Thanks uh, for having me on. All right, thanks, my man. Appreciate you.